Hey watchers, prepare yourself to enter a psychedelic headspace like you never experienced. Today's episode is a dark journey into the minute fabric of human existence, so stick on those brain electrodes and fill up the isolation tank because it's time for the 1980s science fiction horror film, Altered States. Welcome to the Midnight Watch Podcast, the show where we discuss classic, cult, and modern classic movies. We're your hosts, Jeremy and Josh Baruto, and we review movies that are at least 10 years old. Fair warning, we're big on spoilers here, straight from the get-go. We rate these movies in four categories. Number one, the level of impact and success it had when it was released. Number two, how relevant is it today? Number three, our own personal enjoyment of this movie. And number four, is it a Midnight Watch? What is a Midnight Watch? It's a film which completely captures your attention, drawing you in. No matter what time or what part you start watching the movie, you have to finish it. All right, Altered States. This is one movie that I we I put wanted to review since we even started talking about podcasting, and it's it's like right up there on the top of the list of movies that we were interested in initially to record. I think it was what like number three on the list or something like that. Yeah, I think it was an early one that you picked. Yeah, to do. it's funny. I've actually only seen this movie twice. That's including re- rewatching this movie for uh, for this review, which is it's funny. I actually own this movie on DVD. I just never watched it again. I always intended to, but I just I hadn't until we finally reviewed it. So, oh uh, wow, yeah. Let me go ahead and drop some information on this. This uh, came out in 1980. It was directed by Ken Russell. The screenplay was by Patty Chayefsky, who also he I, I didn't know this, but Patty Chayefsky. Uh, this is based off his book that it's the only book he ever wrote, and I didn't know that he's also the screenwriter for the movie Network. So he was like an Academy Award winning screenwriter. When right. I when I saw this movie, I thought this movie was before I watched it. I thought this was just like a forgotten film that people didn't really know about, and so when I watched it i just was like oh my god what did i just watch this is amazing so <laughs> um it was a few years ago and let's see here it the budget was 15 million and the box office was 20 million so it wasn't a bomb but it didn't really i mean it made money but it was it, there's there's no sequel for a reason so right and let's see here score was by john corgigliani gagliano i don't I butchered that last name, <laughs> but uh, this, this Red Bull's not working yet. I have, oh man! Let me let me try that again. Let's see, John Corigliano. I, yeah, you think with me that being Ita- better. you think with me being Italian, I should be able to read Italian last names, dude. Dude, we've said this before. We are the worst Italians ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's like. Yeah, it's like, what are you going to eat tonight? Spaghetti. Yeah, if we can't say anything right, <laughs> we're just super. We're just super Americanized. I guess that's so. the problem. Yeah, we're the the Italians. Mm. Let's let's see here. Uh, Ital- Italians. That's how Grandpa always said it. The Italians. The, right when he was make when he was making fun of bad Italians. <laughs> he didn't know he was speaking to us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this stars William Hurt, Blair Brown, Bob Balaban, Charles Hayde. It's Drew Barrymore. I wouldn't say Drew Barrymore stars in this. She has one line in this movie. 
Um, right. Yeah. I know. I had to. I didn't even realize that was her. Me neither. When I watched it, until as soon as they said it, I'm like, oh, she's one of the kids. Right. Exactly. And yeah. And it's you know, it's probably her first screen appearance, I guess, in a major is. movie. But it is. that's yeah, starring. That's that's a bit of a strong strong statement. That just goes to show you how most of these actors didn't really do anything to become a list actors after this. If if the I mean, she's what number five on the billing list from in the 2021 list of people in this movie, right? So I was gotta say, so this was her first movie, your screen debut, and um, looks like this was also Willem Hurt's uh, first screen appearance, which I was really surprised at that because he's the main guy in this movie, and right, I think he, I think he just comes out in this movie swinging like pretty hardcore. I was really impressed with this. If this is his first film, you know. Oh, I agree. So, Josh, where were you the first time you watched this movie? Well, Jeremy, I was quarantined in my father-in-law's RV getting over COVID-19. Before, and, uh, before you said COVID-19, that just sounded like the beginning of a horror movie. <laughs> 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 I was quarantined in my father-in-law's RV. No, the only, the only horror was uh, me slowly going insane by being quarantined away from my family. Yes, cabin fever. Uh, yeah, absolutely cabin fever. So yeah, I uh, I had didn't know anything about this movie, uh, other than that you were super excited uh, about wanting to do it. Uh, like you said, even when we were first starting the podcast last year, you were super pumped about it. And uh, yeah, I had not seen it before until just a few days ago. Nice. Yeah, the first time I watched this movie was probably six six years ago or something like that. And okay, yeah, I was just on a. Um, I was on a kick just trying to find like weird 80s movies that I hadn't seen before. And I'd seen the poster for this movie when I was just on different websites. And so I finally was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch that because I didn't hear anything about this movie before I saw it. I didn't know anything about it. I thought that this movie was just like going to be terrible. And so my expectations for this were super low. And I uh, definitely had uh, – like, they way surpassed my expectations on this film. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty intense. Uh, do we want to just uh, hit that synopsis and then dive into it? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do All it. All right. Thank you, Wikipedia, for doing the, the heavy lifting here. Edward Jessup is a psychotherapist. Wait, psychopathologist. There we go. I know how to read. Edward Jessup is a psycho. Gosh, let me try it again. Edward Jessup is a psychopathologist who, while studying schizophrenia, begins to think that our other states of consciousness are as real as our waking states. Edward begins experimenting with sensory deprivation using a flotation tank aided by two like-minded researchers, Arthur Rosenberg and Mason Parrish. At a faculty party, he meets fellow whiz kid and biological anthropologist Emily, and the two are eventually married. Seven years later, Edward and Emily have two daughters, are on the brink of divorce and reunite with the couple who first introduced them. When Edward hears of the Hinchy tribe, whose members experience shared hallucinatory states, he travels to Mexico to participate in their ceremony. During the climb up into the Hinchy Hill Country, a plateau covered in spectacular mushroom-shaped venifacts, Edward is told by his guide, Eduardo Echeverria, that the Hinchi use in their ceremonies a potion containing the sacred mushroom Amanita muscaria and the shrub Sinichui, uh, or Latin name Hemia salafolia, which are 
which they are collecting for next year's ceremonies. Totally butchered those. The tribe calls... <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I had it easy, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> the tribe calls Hymea salififolia uh, by Hinchine, meaning first or primordial flower, in recognition of the deep memory states which it can evoke. A, an indigenous elder, the Brujo, is seen with a root, presumably intended to be a Hymenia root, in his hand, which he asks Edward to hold before cutting his hand in order to add some drops of his blood to the mixture he is preparing. Immediately after consuming the mixture, Edward experiences bizarre, intense hallucinations, including one of the petrification and subsequent erosion by blown sand of Emily and himself. The following morning, Edward leaves the Hinchy Plateau under a cloud, having killed, while in his intoxicated state, a large specimen of the Hinchy's sacred monitor lizard, which a petroglyph showed in the dream se sequence, shown in the dream sequence, shows that they believe to have given them the sacred mushroom in the mythic past. He returns to the U.S. with a sample of the Hinchy potion for analysis by his colleagues and further self-experimentation, and continues taking it in order to take his exploration of altered states of consciousness to a new and higher level. When toxic concentrations of the substance make increased dosage dangerous, Edward returns to sensory deprivation, believing it will enhance the effects of the substance at his current dose. Repairing a disused tank in a medical school, Edward uses it to experience a series of increasingly drastic visions, including one of early uh, hominidae. Monitored by his colleagues, Edward insists that his visions have externalized. Emerging from the tank, his mouth bloody, frantically writing notes because he is unable to speak, Edward insists on being x-rayed before he reconstitutes. A radiologist inspecting the x-rays says they belong to a gorilla. In later experiments, Edward experiences actual physical biological de-evolution. At one stage, he emerges from the isolation tank as a feral and curiously small-statured, light-skinned caveman, going on a rampage through some streets in town before returning to his natural form. Despite his colleague's concern, Edward stubbornly continues. In the final experiment, Edward experiences a more profound regression, transforming into an amorphous mass of conscious, primordial matter. An energy wave released from the experiment stuns Edward's colleagues and destroys his tank. Emily arrives to find a swirling maelstrom where the tank has been. She searches the vortex for Edward, finding him as he is on the brink of becoming a non-physical form of proto-consciousness and possibly disappearing from our version of reality altogether. Her friends bring Edward home, hoping that the transformations will end. Watched over by Emily, Edward begins to uncontrollably regress again, the transformations no longer requiring the intake of first flower or sensory deprivation. Urging Edward to fight the change, Emily grabs his hand, immediately being enveloped by the primordial energy emanating from Edward. The sight of his wife apparently being consumed by the energy stirs the human consciousness in Edward's devolving form. He fights the transformation and returns to his human form. In the final scene, Edward embraces Emily, and she returns to normal. So, there's been some comparisons for people trying to understand this movie on what it was supposed to be about. And some people would talk about how it's God and science, or it's supposed to be the story of Mary and Jesus, or Adam and Eve. So, I'm just really curious. What did you think of, of this movie? Like, going into it, did you, <laughs> did you like, know anything about this movie before you hit play? 
Uh, so I watched the preview because I've been trying to get better at, at watching the original preview before right. some of these movies. Right. Whether I've seen them or not, I think it's just kind of fun to get a little... It puts you in the time frame of when it was coming it out. It does. I was going to say that. Yeah, his, historical perspective about what it was like to experience this movie when it was released. But Right. Um, so, yeah, that kind of threw me for a loop. And, dude, I'll be... <laughs> I'll be honest right off the bat, I totally didn't like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which is what which is what made it I'm so excited to talk about it because I know you were super stoked and like I was like, man, I'm really not enjoying this. Dude, I but, was like halfway through the movie and I was like, I forgot how weird I mean I knew I remember this movie being super weird. But like I was like, man, like when you're watching a movie and you're watching it for yourself, you kind of just let yourself get in, you know, it in enveloped by the movie. And right. with this watching it, it's like I was thinking about you while I was watching the movie, and I'm like, I'm, not, I'm kind of almost feeling uncomfortable in certain scenes because I'm knowing you're going to experience <laughs> this. <laughs> well, the thing is, I mean, I dude, I love weird movies. I I really do. I mean, right. I, my wife will tell you, I I like some weird stuff. Right. It's and really. <clears throat> excuse me really the only thing that was hard from i just don't like it in most movies is i don't like the whole psychedelic like mind trip mm-hmm. kind of sequences right. I, i'm just they're just not my thing i know other people some of my buddies at work they love stuff like that or they'll be watching it and they're like bro if you were on shrooms right now this would be amazing right and <laughs> which is funny because that's basically what this movie is about but is the movie yeah (laughs) um so yeah it's just never been my thing i mean i i've never taken hallucinogens um anytime that i take any kind of medication that gets me a little bit loopy i just i really don't enjoy it i I mean getting you know a bit of a buzz from alcohol that's kind of my limit personally i just don't really like going beyond that so anyways it just that's the kind of thing that i don't didn't really enjoy about this movie because there's some really intense, you know, sequences where he's just tripping balls basically. And right. Um, as far as like the concept and the, you know, the pseudo intellectual science fiction they're talking about, all of that's super interesting and the characters are super cool and interesting, but, right. um, just what most of this movie is about, about, you know, uh, all of human experience being in your genetic code and then, you know hallucinating your way into accessing that code just didn't really do it for me but um <laughs> i yeah <laughs> i i um watching this movie a second time actually um it kind of gave me a better view on the movie versus the first time i was like what am i watching and i really i like movies that just keep throwing stuff at you you're just like you think you've seen the weirdest thing in the movie and because they had to run out of, um, of budget or of just imagination. And this right. movie just keeps going weirder and weirder. And so I really appreciated that the first time I saw it. And I actually thought at its core, this movie was a simplistic uh, movie in the case of this guy is just feeling alienated um, because of his experience of his father passing away and him losing his faith. And so he just kind of is floundering about in the darkness and then like this movie i feel like it's at its at its core is a love story and because like with him going through all this altered states going through the uh, re reverting through his genetic code to see the beginning of life uh, right. he, he finds love for his wife and that's like becomes his the reason for living because she's like madly in love with him the entire time like he is freaking weird from like the first scene you see him and right. 
I really like that their relationship is weird. Like it's like they're just talking casually, and then he's like, "Hey, can I come over?" And she's like, kind of coy, and she's like, "Okay." And then the next scene is like, boom, like intense, weird <laughs> sex scene, and then right. like, and and the music, the music is fantastic in this movie because it really gives you that eerie feeling. It's like not quite scary, oh, yeah. but it's like. Well, it's unsettling. Yeah, yeah, it's unsettling. It's almost like, um, that I would almost say it's almost like evil Gregorian chant almost, but like not quite. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, like the, that's, I think the only thing I liked about the soundtrack is because besides that, the soundtrack is more used as a a sound effect, I would say, than yeah. and that. And so I like that it's just like he keeps going into the unknown and then his wife is just keeps supporting him and he's a total douchebag and like but i don't feel like he's intentionally a douchebag i feel like he's one of those guys that just he's so disconnected from humanity but he's obsessed with finding out the reason for human for existing right well she says it his his true love is truth right and 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 discovering that truth but and i think like you said i mean it does kind of show that his you know, in his great quest for truth in where did we come from? What does it all mean? He does, you know, like you said, it, he does kind of at the end, it comes down to, hey, what's really important to me actually is my my wife. Right. And my family. Because he does kind of piss it away. He does. You know, during the movie. He ends up cheating on her at one point. Even though they were, I think they were technically divorced or separated, but so maybe he's not really cheating on her. But he's, well, it, he's uh, kind of s- just... They huh? have they have that casual of like okay yeah we'll get married thing where um, he's more he's really scientific about it and and then uh, there's that seven year jump and then you can then right. that's when he's like wanting the divorce because the one line that he says where he's like people uh, a lot of people aren't capable of living through life with the the pain by themselves but he's like but I am I can live through uh, the pain of life by myself and so he's like I so I would I choose to do that to, so I can follow um, truth more. And so that's why, like, he wants to break up with uh, with her, and then the, they they separate, and then he, you know, and then of course he's just doing his own thing. And right, I just um, yeah. So I just felt like I really did. The thing that grabbed me initially about this movie, the first time I watched it, was just that it's a simple love story, and like I'm a I'm a I'm a sappy romantic, so I just like the fact that his wife is just there for for him keeps pulling him back from the brink and you can watch right. the second time me me knowing what was going to happen i i enjoyed like you could see he get becomes more and more open towards her as he keeps the as he keeps tripping out and going into the to, to the um the altered states and because like he like at one part before the end of the movie he says like you have no idea how much you mean to me and then of course the last scene in the movie when he says I I love you and then you know they hug and then that's the end of the movie and so I just like that he finally found like it, him going through the all these altered states it finally unlocked his ability to really perceive love in the now instead of as a as an existence and so sure. I thought that that was I- really really cool. Yeah, I also thought initially they were kind of portraying woman as the original sin. Mm-hmm. Was sort of what I was seeing in his in the early trips he was taking. Are you and talk- uh, were you talking huh? about like the first time that he does the the first flower, and then like right, and she shows up right there, and then they're like drinking and that looking like they're from Mary Poppins in the poppy fields. 
Right. And then it just kind of, obviously they, then they both erode as, you know, as if you could say as a couple, as a relationship, you know, them falling apart. But, right. um, there is also, cause I kind of got the vibe that he sort of saw her as like a hindrance to his work and to his life in general. It's like yeah. kind of a necessary evil. It's like, I want to, I want you to be around, but really you're just kind of in the way. Right. And that's where I was kind of getting that whole, in his experience and his psychedelic trip, you know, is woman, the original sin. Cause that's kind of a classic, right. Uh, argument for some, uh, anyways. Well, the thing I thought was that I liked about this too, is for, first of all, I did a little bit of, um, a deep dive into this when I first uh, saw this movie. The science behind this movie is completely false. Like it's completely science fiction. There was right. some theories about this that this would potentially could actually be like you could look into your genetic history by hallucinating and all that stuff. This book was written. In Are you talking about like when they created LSD back in the yeah, that in the sixties or seventies? That was in the sixties. But, um, yeah, and so they were looking at to, to see, like, what they could do. And even Mason, the the doctor, talks about LSD trials compared to this. Right. And he's like... Because they, they show that at the very beginning of the movie because it take, it starts in the 60s when they're finishing up their their own schooling. Right. And they show, you know, them giving doses, you know, to kids to see what, what happened. <laughs> so well, the, well you talk about the schizophrenic, um, the girl who... Are you talking about that person? Yeah, I'm just just the early early stuff they were showing. Oh yeah, the thing I thought was interesting about this though, this does not feel like a 1980s movie. This feels like a 1970s movie. Like the philosophy, the not not the way it looks, but the philosophy and just the subject matter doesn't seem like something that you would see in a big budget movie in 19 in 1980. I mean, this is the same mm-hmm. year Flash Gordon came out. This is after Star Wars. This definitely seems like a psychedelic trip that you this movie seems like it should have come out in the 60s or the early 70s. And I think it would have done better if it did. It's it's a weird movie. It's a weird yeah, movie. Yeah, well, but well, I agree cuz even the you know, they show it trying to be modern um, when they when they time jump seven years later, right, right. But for sure, the the sweet spot is all of this was stuff that was you know at least in some science circles kind of a you know groundbreaking interesting right. thing to look into. Like you said, in the seventies, you know, it started in the sixties with you know discovering LSD or creating LSD and what could that do, and then going in you know further into the seventies and exploring all this stuff. So. You're right. It did come out in a time where it was probably a, a little bit passe already. Right. I, I think so. I think it, I mean, it took took Patty uh, Chayefsky several years to research and make this movie. But um, it was kind of cool, actually. I, I didn't realize when I first watched this movie, that's what I took away from the film was like, this is at its core, no matter how weird this is. This is just a love story of how mm-hmm. two people, you know, one guy finally comes around to like that he really does love his wife and so i thought that was really romantic at the time and watching it a second time i'm picking up on a lot more of the themes and all the intenseness because there's a lot that's thrown at you visually like throughout this entire film it's just like bam 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 bam. like it's it's relentless and then like the sounds of it and another thing that made me feel like the 19 that this is a 1970s movie is um william hurt like when they offered him to do this movie, he was probably like, okay, I'll totally do this movie, but only if half of the movie 
I'm naked. <laughs> and so <laughs> and they're like they're like, man, sure, why not? You know? Right. So the fact that they're so open with like him just being like butt naked for like half the film for different reasons, actually I think does isn't just him and his wife. Like it's I don't think that that's actually in a in a strange way, I don't feel like it's sexual. I feel like it's primordial where it's actually yeah. part of the story. Like this is like they keep wanting to talk about the beginning of life. And so right. it, I feel like it actually, all of the the scenes and stuff like that makes sense in this film. It's not just like gratuitous nudity that's put in here and just because we want to see some nudity. Like I've, I feel right. like it actually makes sense in the, in the movie, like especially with him, just like his, his view of the, of the world and like, like where he's like, none of this is matters because he, his father, the last thing his father said before he died was terrible. And then he lost his, he's lost his faith. I just thought that was interesting, though, that the thing that grabbed me about this movie the first time is because I don't really watch movies that really dive into, at the time, I didn't watch movies, I do now, but um, dive into religious, um, dark religious things. Like, I would normally, back in the day, I used to stay away from movies like The Exorcist or just, like, anything that had to do with, like, demonic stuff or potential cult movies. Well, you don't want to, you don't want to lose your faith. I mean, good Lord. Right. And yeah, and so now I'm, <laughs> I've definitely, like I'm, I'm strong in my personal beliefs as a practicing Christian now. Where I'm like, I know where I stand. I've, you know, I've, I've done, gone through the, the deconstruction of my faith, and and then like now I have a new understanding of what I actually believe personally for me, not just for what my parents taught me growing up. And right. so watching these movies, they don't affect me in a in a certain way because. I'm okay to exploring these different thoughts and things because I know what I believe. And so right. watching this the second time, I I thought it was interesting how like the first thing, the first, not level, but the first layer of human subconsciousness is religious um, things. And so like they have, they show, for example, the sheep that has like the seven eyes and then like the, the crucifix and all that weird uh, religious right. Um, well, it was very, it was very Book of Revelations end times, right. uh, apocalypse kind of right. stuff, right? And so with that, <clears throat> like for example, like the when the they administer the drug to the girl who's uh, schizophrenic at the beginning, and they're like, "What do you see?" And she's like, "I see, I see Christ," and she's like, right. you know, like calms her down and focuses in. And this movie is ballsy in the case of it's basically saying that like. Um, religious experiences is just like the first subconsciousness in our mind that potentially like, like, right. That's not any just deeper a way to, than that, right? And it's just a way of dealing and coping, which right. is I forget who said religion is the opiate of the masses. Uh, another you know popular worldview on why religion right. exists, right? Um, and, and so it's I thought that that was it was it was pretty interesting. I mean, it makes sense though. It definitely feels like a counterculture movie. Which again, oh I'm, yeah, I'm surprised this movie didn't do better, but I think it's because it was just the time frame that it came out. Um, I think it was, right. I think I think people late. were right. They were kind of done with that whole thing. Like, really, dude? It's just just it's just about taking shrooms, like, right? Kind of over that. Exactly. <laughs> it's all yeah. about cocaine now. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but yeah, I I want to get ripped, bro. I want some new stuff. <laughs> I don't want to sit around. <laughs> Well, it's funny you talking about how you didn't, you never took hallucinogenics. Like I never did either when I was partying. I just, I was, 
Um, it scared me, the idea of taking acid or doing, like, shrooms has always sounded interesting, but, like, I never did because I didn't like the idea of losing control. And But right. I, have, I have some friends where they're like, dude, I love it. Like, you don't even know what you're going to see and you're going to experience things that make, and just, so, like, I I totally get why uh, some people chase that unknown uh uh, to try to figure out what's going on. And I don't really feel like this movie actually answers the question of what is the point of life or anything. It's actually, if you look into it, potentially William Hurt, like at the end, I guess the only thing he understands is like uh, life doesn't really matter. So just be with the ones that you love, but which is kind of a dark sort of thing. But I, I feel like they didn't really answer that question. The movie's more about focusing on him realizing how much that he actually cared about his wife the more that sure. his humanity was stripped away as he kept going through the genetic structure of his own his personal history. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, 100%. It's about, it's just science fiction. It's, oh, yeah. it's very, yeah. And I do, I did enjoy the science fiction part of it. It, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's total bananas, but it's still, it was still fun. It's a cool concept for sure. Yeah. And that's it, one, that's one thing I it really was, liked. It was just it. the, him showing, I mean, cinematically, them breaking down what it was like to experience, you know, de-evolving and going through all of that crazy stuff. That's just not my cup of tea, but it still was a cool idea. And like you said, in the if this movie had come out probably even five years earlier, it probably would have done a lot better. Right. Because that was definitely more of a pop cultural thing than right. it was in, the, in 80, you know? I mean, sci-fi definitely was kind of blowing up. I mean, you had... You just had um, Alien come out, like you said. I mean, Star Wars, in in a pop culture sense, you know, was you know right. the epitome of sci-fi. It's very tame sci-fi, but right, you know, like a good gateway <laughs> gateway drug into deeper sci-fi. Which this is this is some kind of hardcore sci-fi. Oh yeah, no, definitely. But it's it's psychedelic sci-fi, and so if it had more of an like a if if for some reason it turns out like the flowers were from aliens or blah 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 something like that. Um, I think that actually would have still, the movie would have made, done better in the '80s because, like you said, people were starting to get really interested in in alien sci-fi, right? And yeah, and this is this is psychedelic sci-fi. Which, speaking of right. sci-fi, I just want to do shout out to Blair Brown, um, who plays Emily Jessup, uh, William Hurt's wife. In this movie first, the first thing I ever saw her in was Fringe. She's like one of the main characters in Fringe. She's much older, and she's freaking legit in that. Did you ever watch that show? I did. I, I unfortunately, I still have to watch the second half of the last season. I've never oh. gone back and finished it. Oh man, that's. The- I was super, super into that show, kind of yeah. after the fact, but um, I just remember tearing through it, and I loved it. And I think it was, it was back when, um, everybody was using like Pirate Bay and and oh yeah, open source kind of, you know. Right, illegal illegal downloading, all that good stuff. Right, and, they were and so movies. at the time, right. So at the time, I had only it was what my buddies at work were giving me, and they, I hadn't seen the second half, just because they hadn't downloaded it yet, and then I just never went back. And it's been on, you know, obviously different actual streaming sites that I pay for now, but I've just never gone back and finished it. But right, who was who was she? I can't remember who had, what character she played. Uh, I forgot her name in the movie in the in the show but she was the the person who was the lead um she seemed like she was the leader of the corporation that they're working for and then okay. she's got the robotic arm you remember her and she she thinks she's a bad guy and then 
spoilers for Fringe, apparently. <laughs> yeah. uh, turns out she's actually a, a good guy in the show, but for like f- four seasons, you don't know if she's a good guy or bad guy. Uh-huh. Um, you, you know what I'm talking about? Dude, I don't. I uh, uh, I do need to go back and just kind of reimmerse myself into that because I just I remember loving that show. Yeah, because it, it was, was uh, it was pretty fun sci-fi. Yeah, like you thought that it was going to be an X Files ripoff, and then they were like, "No, we're actually something completely different." And, right. Yeah, that's what I loved, and I also loved too. Fringe will give you, um, it'll give you an explanation for every episode versus the X-Files. They were like, oh, it was protoplasma. Apparently that really was a ghost and let's move on with our lives. And you're like, what? No, like that's a huge scientific thing if we're looking at this in a scientific manner, which I mean, that's why it's the X-Files. It's the unsolvable cases. Right. The whole point is that it's there's weird stuff out there. (laughs) Right. But then Fringe was like, this is Fringe science. And so, um, yeah, like obviously i love that show as, as well i uh we can rabbit trail into that for an hour easily right um <laughs> so going back to altered states um i've got i got some trivia here real quick do you do you want to yeah. say something before i drop some trivia i just want to make sure we talk about bob balaban let's talk about let's talk about bob balaban get... okay Dude, I didn't even recognize him in this movie. I know, dude. Well, one, he's got that awesome beard going on. Yes. He's, but he's like this totally hip, cool, yeah. intellectual type, which Bob Balaban, uh, most people, you know, hey, if you don't know who we're talking about, IMDb him. He's you'll re- in you'll a ton him. of things. Yes. He's always clean shaven, wears like round wire rimmed, you know, glasses, just always the like kind of uppity nerd type right and usually usually pretty pretty intellectual but in this movie he plays like total like i don't know like a hip swinging 70s like college professor he's like this super cool dude yeah with a big you know has this huge like 70s beard and he's just he's just a chill dude he's like like a cool character he's probably one of the coolest i mean william hurt is actually pretty cool in this movie but as a side character this dude's awesome (laughs) <laughs> it's I probably agree. the coolest the coolest character I've ever seen him play. Uh, not that I don't like him in the other roles. He's just, it, it, it is what it is. No, I and, totally. You know, the other stuff that he does. Dude, I totally agree. Um, yeah, he's he's one of those guys who's in like every seventh movie that you watch. And um, I agree. I think this is the, my favorite role that I've seen him in because you're right. He's just this cool, chill, down-to-earth scientist guy who... Um, he's not stuck up at all. I don't feel like he's just, he's actually seriously concerned about his friend, um, who is, who is doing these crazy things to himself. And I think the casting was actually pretty spot on. Like the guy who plays Mason in this movie, Charles Hayde, I loved his character where he's like flipping out the entire movie. Yeah. But he was very cool too. but But he's always there. Like he's like yelling at, like I have, you have that friend where it's like the guy's like, you're a freaking idiot. Like, what are you doing? And like, you're not, right. you know, I'm going to, but like, he's got your, but he's got your back though. Like exactly. he's, no matter how stupid and how crazy you are, he does try to right. back yeah. you up and he does, he is concerned for your safety. Right. Like the first scene when they introduce him, I thought that he was going to be like, this is the only scene he's in where he's like, you know what guys, I'm shutting you down. And then he's in every other scene from the rest of the movie. And you're like, Oh, this guy's like, right totally not on board with what they're doing but he's there because he wants to protect his friends and so i thought that was a really cool character i I thought that the the casting was strong especially since a lot of these people were up-and-coming actors 
And yeah, I thought that was cool. I think Drew Barrymore was definitely a scene scene stealer. No, I'm just kidding. She was like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know she was in this movie. It's, she has one. Right. Line, it's just like, mommy. And then that's it. <laughs> I know. So, who knew that would be uh, the beginning of an amazing career for Drew Barrymore? Right. Um, Which, I mean, it really, it jumped off pretty quick for her as far as, you know, E.T. and Firestarter Starter and some yeah. other, you know, some other ones that she was in, you know, early on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she. You're right. I think ET was probably the her the probably the breakout role for her. I think so. Yeah. But yeah, what uh, what uh, what trivia do you got? Let's drop some facts here. Drop some facts. Let's see. So, uh, looks like 1977, Patty uh, Chayefsky was actually starting to research the a project delving into the man's search of his true self, and that evolved into a project updating the theme of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Did you get mm. that the theme of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde in this? I mean, I, I understand that, like especially when he when he reverts into his primal form. Right. Um, I guess so. Yeah, I saw. I had read read that as well. Mm-hmm. It it seems a little bit weak, or but yeah, or I guess you should say it's sort of the kind of like the opposite effect because in Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, he's like a powerful monster, uh, rampaging around, and not that he's not. I mean, he he messes stuff up pretty good when he's, you know, his monkey man, primordial self. Right. Uh, he he tears up some stuff, but he's he's definitely not, he's not like a hulking, imposing figure. He's just this you know kind of scrawny, ape-looking dude. Right. Right. But yeah, I guess I guess you know the bare bones concept of you know changing to a different person. It's right, there. right. I guess so. I don't see it really, <laughs> but um, I think it's I, a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, it's not like a, it's not super clear cut. I I would say it's more inspired by like he read it and then took the uh, the idea and then did his own thing, and so it kind of totally it's, it's born of that idea, but it's actually not really that idea. It looks like Blair Brown said many of the actors and crew actually tried out the isolation tank. And William Hurt actually hallucinated while Brown found it very peaceful. I've heard good things about flotation uh, tanks. I know I know uh, Joe Rogan's obsessed with that. So right, uh, yeah, yeah. It's still a it's still a legit thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I would feel about it because I was in watching the movie. That's actually one of my notes. Is like I don't think I would do very good in an isolation tank situation like that. But at the same time, like I guess if you could get to a peaceful state. It could be very relaxing, right? I feel like I'd almost be claustrophobic in a right. That's that. that was my initial thought was, but I think if I could get into a peaceful headspace, right, then it it could just be very soothing. Well, it's like a womb. Yeah, situation. I mean, if, since the tank is a sensory deprivation tank, so if you're floating and you just like all of your senses are basically turned off, and then you're allowed to exist without your senses telling you stuff, then that would be really intriguing. I, I need to try it just so that way I can try it. Maybe I'll, you know, who knows? It might revert back to a primo, primordial form. You never know. It might. You never know. Yeah. Maybe maybe, the, maybe this movie is true. Maybe it's not sci-fi. Maybe makes, it's actual science truth. Yeah. Actually, it's based off of Joe Rogan's life. So <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. There is some some drama that happened behind this film. Apparently, they got Ken Russell, the director, to come in and, and direct this, but... He and Patty Chayefsky were like not get along at all. It's, right. Well, they'd already fired one director before him, right? 
Right. Yeah. And uh, part of it was because the Patty was not allowing anybody to change even one word of his dialogue from his screenplay. He was really controlling, which, to be honest, though, he had won, like, what, three Academy Awards for screenplays by then? So, I mean, mm-hmm. he kind of had clout, you know? Like, so it's sure. Like, it's like, But yeah. that's that's not the way to direct a movie, though. <laughs> I mean, no. I, I, I don't I, know why he didn't... Why didn't he just direct? If you're that attached to your vision... Right. If I, you, especially if you can't find another person to, you know, who understands you... Well, I think it's because um, he was starting to get sick, and I believe he died pretty soon after this movie. Um, and so this was his last project that he worked on. So I think that's why he didn't probably have the strength to do it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but I guess Ken Russell, the director, was, like, drunk, like, the entire time they were filming, which is a very oh, wow. old-school way of directing. I know, like, John Ford did things like that. So, yeah, and then apparently looks like uh, Ken Russell. Th- okay, this is one thing I thought was cool about the movie, which also stood out to me when I first watched this. It says, uh, Chayefsky later said that in retaliation to them not being able to change any of the lines, that the actors were instructed to speak the lines while eating or talking too fast. And then r- the d- director says, though, that, that that fast pace and overlapping dialogue was actually Patty's idea. I thought that was cool. They're just, like, rattling off this, like, you know, really smart sounding information which if you really break it down you're like i don't know if really saying too much stuff there but it sounds smart and right and i just like the the intensity and how they are talking over each other because to me that adds more of a slightly realistic feel to it where it's like when i get excited well they sound like they sound like real intellectuals though or at least what i would perceive to be a bunch of super smarty pants you know highly educated people right just kind of talking to each other like that it definitely I mean, <laughs> our uh, our buddy Jake loves to say this quote, but uh, it's kind of like they're the people that love to smell their own farts. They just they love sounding <laughs> smart to each other and just right. you know stroking stroking those egos. <laughs> stroke it, stroke it. Yeah, no, that that definitely uh, is what I I picked up from this, and I I liked it. I thought that was a cool little thing, especially when they're in like that Italian pub and they're just barely they're supposed to be tipsy but William Hurt is clearly more than tipsy in that right. in that scene but I like that I thought that was cool but yeah apparently um Ken Russell was having such a hard time with with Patty trying to like backseat direct that he had right. a ban from the set and so then Patty ch- uh, had to ha- tried to have Ken Russell removed as director but by then like the production was already on the way and so then he wasn't able to do that so yeah right. I thought the studio was like we already fired one director we can't do it again <laughs> right and they were running out of money so I mean they had to do the special effects on a smaller budget which I thought they did a great job with the special effects I like, yeah no they're they're spot on yeah especially for the time I mean, when it came out right which is where yeah I didn't especially the audio uh it's very unsettling what we were talking about that earlier where the the audio is um it's definitely more the the music and the sounds are more sound effect than they are scoring for the sake of some beautiful emotionally moving right piece of music it's it's unsettling it really bothered it's well bothered me and i think that was sort of the desired effect yes yeah it's supposed to tell you even if like something looks like it's it's oh like if you watch it with the sound off then you're just like okay we'll see what's going on but when you have the sound cues of like something's wrong then yeah. like and that's the feeling you get from for a majority of this movie and I, I like that because like i think that william hurt's character is unsettled since his dad died and he's just he's not comfortable in his own skin he has to find something bigger than himself right 
And so apparently the audience or audience members and critics though they they decided that the the real part of this movie that was cool was the prehistoric man that actually kicked off a 1980s cycle of movies including caveman cave girl hundra iceman ghost warrior missing link luggage of the gods that's a good name quest for fire <laughs> and the clan of the cave bear apparently people were really into the geico caveman stuff at this time so like, <laughs> and you okay. said this movie kind of kicked that off with the whole yeah apparently primordial this, man this is the first huh. one yeah so i was just like okay i i've never gotten into to those but see i would i just associate those with like really bad um b science fiction movies or like harvey corman type stuff yeah yeah i know you're talking about larry corman larry corman sorry <clears throat> yeah yeah, no, I totally, I totally feel you, uh, which is kind of funny because when I saw that, I think of like gore or like uh, I'm trying to think of some of those other. They're almost like post-apocalyptic 1980s movies, but they're actually prehistoric, but they have the post-apocalyptic feel to it. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. One more thing we got here is oh yeah, so Patty Chayefsky, he disowned the movie. So actually, in the movie, it'll say screenplay by, and I think it's by it says somebody else's name. It's like Aaron something, which is a pseudonym for himself. Right. And they just tried to shove this movie out. At, it opened on Christmas Day, and I, that actually, I think, hurt the it as well. They should have put it out in, like, March or April. Where yeah, was, this doesn't seem like, a, hey, let's all go out on Christmas Day to watch this psychological... <laughs> I can't even call it... I don't know if you can call it a psychological thriller, which I... That's the other thing, too, man. I don't... I didn't quite get the horror aspect of it. It just seemed like weird sci-fi to yeah. me. Yeah. I don't think it's really a horror movie. Um, I mean, if you haven't seen any movie that's remotely close to a horror movie, then yes, this movie would be really scary. But it's if it, it's not, I don't really feel like it's a horror movie too. I just feel like it's a really, I, I it's keep, some it's some kind of dark sci-fi. Yeah, but that's that's what I would, and it's twisted for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's very twisted. I, I guess I would. I keep going back to it's just weird you know like I, I oh yeah i can't come up with a better word bizarro or something like that i can't come up with too much right. uh work of the neuroscientist and dolphin researcher john c Lilly, who invented the isolation tank and started taking drugs while tanking apparently yeah that's pretty crazy he was a dolphin researcher and so that's just interesting but i think that's about it for for background dialogue and or dialogue background trivia here um anything cool. else uh, final thoughts before we roll to final verdicts uh well the one as I got towards the end of this movie I just out of nowhere was reminded of that movie The Tree of Life with Brad Pitt did you oh, see yeah. that one yeah I did I have that movie it's it's sort of similar except I would say Tree of Life as far as like an art house movie is a very beautiful movie to watch like cinematically oh yeah uh, but it but it is it is also a weird trip as well um I. <laughs> That took me, I think, three or four or five times to work my way through that movie. Like, I would start it and watch, like, 20 minutes of it. I'm like, okay, I'm done. And then I would come back to it later because <laughs> that, was, that well, was a weird one. <laughs> well, let me just say, Terrence Malick's films are definitely not for the mass audience. They're definitely right. art house movies. The older I've gotten, the more I appreciate his films, and I need to go back and watch The Thin Red Line again, because the first time I watched it, I was like, what is this movie? Right, and that's one that I've not seen all the way through. It was on at work one day, 
and I would, but I was kind of getting into it. It was, it was very interesting, and um, I would definitely love to explore that one more. And and I'm with you. If you you got to know what you're getting into on that one. It's definitely not something you watch when you're kind of tired and you just you know it's 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 not a casual movie. Yeah, and it's no, funny how right. they had how movie theaters had to put up signs saying you know no refund if you come in to watch this movie. Well, they sold <laughs> it as like this 1950s Brad Pitt driven movie, and that's just, right. That's just one part of it. So, and right. going, going back to Altered States, um, I totally – I I like movies that question existence or just like what sure. is the point of life. And so I enjoy movies that go into the thought process. Even if they arrive at a position of thought that I don't agree with personally, I enjoy the experience. I yeah, enjoy... it's, a, it's a fascinating trip. And, right. and that's, what, that's what Tree of Life was. And that's the only reason I bring it up is because it – they also were exploring, you know, the meaning of life and what what does it mean and what is, uh, what's the point of everything, religion and life itself. So right, fair, a lot of parallels there, and that's the only reason why I bring that up. Right, uh, and then like you said, I mean, because my by the time I finished this movie, to me it was just like the the answer to their question. Uh, loosely, I could come up with is that human love is the only truth. Right, and I I feel like that's actually kind of a weak answer to uh, this the big question. Um, yeah. I mean, shoot, the answer forty two is a better answer I think than that. But I <laughs> so but so that's why I think it presents big ideas. It looks cool. It gets really weird. It's not afraid of embracing the just the the awkwardness of of human shallowness. I guess I would say. But mm-hmm. but I don't don't feel like it quite lands the ending, and that's hard to do with these type of movies to to land the question of existence because that's something that that we have con- continued to ask ourselves since the beginning of, of time, and so right, like it's not a casual question. No, and I and also too that's something that we're still that everybody's arguing to this day. I mean that's so that's why there's so many different religions. That's why there's you know atheists, agnostics. It's just like. You don't know, you know, and so that's just, right. yeah, I understand like, yeah, you can't really answer that. But at the same time, though, since this is a science fiction movie, give us an answer. Like, come on. Like, yeah, let's. Let, yeah. Give if us you're going to if you're going to take the time to dig yourself into this huge hole, you might as well. It's all fake anyways. Right. It's, yeah. it, you know, like you said, you might as well just give an answer other than the sort of vanilla trying to make it a happy feel good ending of love is the only truth. I mean, okay, but right. you you really went crazy and then to just kind of come back to that does seem a little weak sauce. Right. And that's why I'm saying it feels like a 60s or 70s movie of the whole love is all you need sort of thing. Right. Um like that's and so yeah, again, I think this movie unlike certain movies we reviewed before where we felt like it was ahead of its time, I feel like this one missed its window. So. Oh yeah, and and just and like we were saying, I think just by a few years, I think if it had come out in 1975 or yeah. 76, I think it probably would have been, you know, kind of a f- phenomenon mean, right. in a good way. You know, yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Because William Hurt, when he read the script, he said that he like cried for a half hour and then like just was silent for like 40 minutes after that, and because he said that it just it talked about everything that he had been personally asking in his life which sounds that sure sounds, that sounds kind of crazy where it's just like i, I don't know like i i haven't but, read any- but you think about it too so when he read the script it had to have been a few years before 1980 
So right. it's it's kind of right there in that mid late seventies, which all of that was kind of a big, you know, that was kind of a thing. So right. I I get it, I get it. It would you know, but it should have it should have been come out. It should have come out then, and obviously by the time it was finished, just because of production schedules and whatnot, it just there's no way they could have done that. Right. Yeah. No. That, that's what I was saying though. It's like for him, it was such a personal project, and you know, like for me, that just sounds funny, just being like. I've never read something and then just been so moved by it where I just I sit and cry or have such an emotional reaction to it. But right. I, I do react emotionally in other ways. But um, for him, it was a super personal experience. And he went home and he like memorized the entire script and then acted it out for uh, the director. And the director was like, yeah, we can't make this movie without you, which William, which is which is really funny. I am not a huge fan of William Hurt, and I think that this is actually one of a better roles for him. Like, it makes sense. His character, he's not just slow-speaking, quiet, more kind of quiet and thoughtful or whatever, but he's like, it makes sense. Like, he's an odd person in this movie. He is not normal. Right. Well, I think he did, I think he did a fantastic job, and he just seems like a cool actor. Like, he really could have, I'm, yeah, I I feel like, like the movie or not, just based on his performance, I feel like he could have become a bigger actor than he was right uh i mean right now probably most people just know him for his roles kind of you know second third tier roles in the marvel movies oh i forgot he was even in that yeah but like for me yeah like um it's it's bad like i know he's in other movies like body heat was a big flick and uh, like i just he's always the father figure though in movies now where like the village or um, lost, yeah, he's lost just, in that, space, it, you know, the older, older kind of character. Right. Um, so it was fun seeing him kind of as the, the young and sexy doctor who, uh, doesn't know what to do with his life, but <laughs> right. anyways, let's see any, any more final thoughts or anything? Nope. I'm ready to, let's, let's do our final verdicts. On are this. you, are you ready to judge? Okay. I'm ready. All right. I'm excited. I, I hope you bomb this movie so uh do you think this movie <laughs> did do you think this movie oh real quick um yeah were you happy to see this movie in the first place uh or do you think that you could have lived your life without ever watching this movie <laughs> uh no i don't i'm glad that i saw it because i i love watching things i haven't seen before and you i was i had a little bit of a higher or I had a lot higher expectation because you were so excited about it Oops. So I was kind of I was kind of bummed that I didn't like it. I wanted to like it just because you were so excited. So I was just kind of disappointed that I didn't like it so much. But I'll try, anyways, I'll try to play <laughs> play things down in the future. I'll be like, okay, yeah, no, it's, it's whatever, you know. Um, yeah, no, no, it's 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 great. I I for the sake of conversation though, I was actually on the other hand excited to talk about it because um, we don't often review movies where we're coming from such um you know different points of view uh the yes. last one that kind of surprised me and you weren't even really here for it was when we did hook yeah and you know me and my kids and jake you know love that movie and then we just had a few comments that you had told me to bring up in the in the show but we didn't we didn't really get to talk about it right you know in person when we recorded it so yeah this is cool man i i really enjoyed talking about it nice all right, so um, I do. You, so, okay, so do you think that it hit its mark when it first came out in 1980? Uh, just based on the money it made and and the re- the reviews it got, I feel like it was kind of middle of the road. Um, right. So I I would say a C. 
Yeah, I'd have to give it a C as well because they didn't lose money, but it was a big budget movie like for for its time. I mean, fifteen million dollars like that. Wait, did I say fifteen million? I can't remember. Anyways, whatever the cost was, it was a lot of money for its time. And um, I was, I think that that was from the power of Patty Chayefsky's. I think it was all sure. him. I don't think because Ken Russell was unknown in Hollywood when the, this was. I think this was his first Hollywood movie, and I think it might have been close to his last. Like he became kind of an outcast in Hollywood because of how him and uh, Patty were just such at odds the entire film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I give it a C. And do you think it's still relevant today? Oh, dude. Well, one, I don't hear anybody talk about it. Not that. Uh, not that that means anything. I'm <laughs> right, <laughs> but, right. Uh, I tried to bring it up to a couple people when uh, who I know are you know into weird movies or sci-fi and horror and whatnot. Right. And they didn't really know anything about it. So I don't know, dude. I'm kind of in the dark on this. Maybe a D. Maybe an F. I don't. I don't know. I. <laughs> Yo, give us. Give us a letter. What do you think? I'm gonna give it a D. Okay. Um, yeah. For me, the question of existence, I feel like, is always relevant. But in this case, with this movie, I'm gonna give it an F for is it still relevant? Because like, I literally have. I don't know anybody that's seen this movie. And right. It's not like it's this huge hidden gem. It's just it so surprised me when I saw it after, you know, you're going through, you're watching crappy movie after crappy movie, like and just enjoying, you know, the crap. And then yeah. this is not a B movie. This is definitely like an, an A, an, a triple A movie that came out and then like no, nobody talks about it. Nobody knows anything right. about it. So the fact that I will, this is William Hurt's first movie, I was shocked at that. You know, the only thing I knew about this before I watched the movie was I'd seen the poster and was like, "Well, that's a weird poster. I'm, let me check that out." I gave it an, an F for is it still relevant today? Sounds and, right. Yeah. Okay. What was your personal enjoyment? Well, I got to give it a D. I didn't absolutely hate it. I just didn't enjoy it. Um, gotcha. It's not a bad. It's not a bad movie. Uh, there, I mean, there were certain things that I thought were cool about it and enjoyed, and that's why I just I didn't give it a complete F. It wasn't like, you know, the worst thing I've ever seen, or, um, but yeah, didn't didn't really do it for me, so I give it a D. Gotcha. Um, I I honestly I gotta give it a C. I was really surprised watching this movie again and at how much I just did not enjoy it as much as the first time, and I think part of that was I went into this movie. The second time, expecting to really enjoy it versus the first time, mm. I had like no thoughts on it. I just was, it was a blank slate and it just kept getting weirder and weirder. And I was just enjoying the ride. And yeah. yeah. And so I think that that's why with with this one, it just, it didn't hold up as well. And then also, too, like I, I thought about it more psychologically. And, and if you look at it as a simple love story, it's a, it's pretty awesome because it's a weird love story. And that's why I gave it high marks in my mind the first time I saw it because I was like, dude, this is a crazy love story. This is awesome. Right. And then watching it a second time, I'm like, yeah, that is the point of it. But the second point that this movie is wrapped up, wrapped up in, enveloped in, is the question of existence. And I feel like they totally just missed the mark on that. I feel like they at the end they just tapped out. They were like, well, we don't really have any idea anymore to do this. So and instead of leaving the question unanswered, which I feel like would have even been a better ending than he was just sure. like he was just like the, the the point of the point of existence is just to as um uh, as uh, I can't remember the captain inside Prometheus uh, says where he's like if you can't love the ones uh, he's like if you can't if you can't love the ones you love then love the ones you're with and I just 
And so, and then he goes to like sleep with the captain after that, or whatever. I just thought that was it was funny line, but yeah. Th- so this movie, I just felt like yeah, that that the whole point of this was just the two points love story. Was good. That was that was solid. But then the point of existence, I gave it a D. So um, for personal enjoyment, I, I give it a C. I probably. I might watch this movie again, depending on if somebody's interested in watching it, because then it, sure. it definitely provokes conversation, and I, I like that. I think, or invokes right. conversation, and right. I then so that's and that's great. That's one reason I, I like movies like this is because then like maybe you don't watch it for enjoyment, you watch it for uh, exploration of different people's thoughts and philosophies right. and matters like that. And so I think that yeah. Um, so is this a midnight watch? Uh, it is, in fact, no. Not even a little bit for me. <laughs> <laughs> if you watched, saw this movie on TV, you would get up and turn the TV off. <laughs> no. Um, no, it's not a midnight watch for me either. Yeah, but I do I do recommend this movie, though. If, somebody, if you're into movies about uh, psychedelic experiences or just, you know, just, just weird movies or you want to... Right. It's, I mean, definitely that psychological sci-fi element is yeah. definitely there. And I did like the whole idea of um, going back through your genetic experiences and, like, your genetic memories. I thought that's a cool concept. I'd never seen that right. before in a movie. And I don't think I've seen that since then. I think it's the only movie I've seen where I'm sure that they've done that in other things now. It's not a new Probably. Thought. I hadn't seen that at the time, and I was just like, oh, that's really cool. I like that idea. Right. And I ha- I do know people that um, they, they're they fascinated, interested in that type of uh, I don't know if you can call it science, but the idea, whatever those concepts are, I do know people that like that. So I'm sure there are some people out there that would be that would enjoy this movie. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. Well, uh, yeah, that about wraps up today's episode. If you want to check out this movie, come by my house and you can borrow the DVD. <laughs> so um, I did watch it on Amazon Prime though, just because uh, obviously me having a newborn. This movie is freaking weird, and so I just was it was easier for me to just watch it on the phone. Well, what about you? Uh, I actually did a uh, the seven day free trial of Cinemax through um, Apple TV. Nice. Which I gotta I gotta um, cancel my subscription today because <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to pay ten bucks for that. You cheapskate! No, I'm just kidding. I I, it was awesome. I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, special thanks to our sound producer Jake Colvin. If you had as much fun as we did on this episode, we'd love it if you shared it with your family, friends, and anyone that you think that would like it. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast found on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and many other platforms. We'd really appreciate it if you'd visit our Instagram and our Facebook page. Uh, We're even on Twitter. And uh, join the conversation on what is your Midnight Watch. You can directly reach us at themidnightwatchpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, everybody. You have a fantastic week. And as always, keep up the watch.